0: Welcome to 20 Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name is Adam, and while I get the 20 minute timer going, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 7. All right. We have been studying the story of the Exodus. God's people, the Jews, were enslaved in the land of Egypt. And God had raised up a deliverer named Moses. God had called him from his exile and brought him back to his people. With the mission of bringing them freedom from their slavery. Moses's brother Aaron was called by God to be his assistant. And if you remember from a few episodes ago, Moses did not like to speak in public. He didn't like to be the center of attention. Maybe he was shy. Maybe he lacked confidence. Maybe he had a speech uh, impediment or a, a stutter or something. We don't know. But for whatever reason, Moses did not want to appear publicly. So Aaron, his brother, spoke on his behalf. Verse 28 could arguably be chapter 7, verse 1. The Chapters and verses in our Bibles are not inspired. When we say inspired, what we mean is this, that we believe that God inspired people to write his word. But the original writer did not put chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 3, verse 12. That was not added until relatively recently, and you can go on Wikipedia or just do a Google search and find out the history of how we got our chapters and verses. Sometimes they get it right. It was, yeah, that's pretty spot on. Recently, I had to outline the entire book of 1 Corinthians, and I was impressed, extremely impressed, with how good the chapter and verse breaks were in that book of the Bible. In other places, it makes less sense, and this is one of those places. So if you're wondering why chapter 6, verse 28 is the start of our section this morning, it's because it functionally flows that way. It says, Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? How many people come with that attitude? How many times in my own life have I had that attitude? God would have us speak truth, speak love, speak healing. And then I say, well, who's going to listen to a guy like me? If God's called us, then the people he has sent us to are the ones who will listen. My kids will listen. Now, they may not choose to accept what I say, but they're the ones God has called me to. The people around you, the people in your world that God has called you to are the ones listening. Now here's the reason why well I'm I'm not good at speaking. So verse 1 chapter 7, the Lord said to Moses, "See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet." So what's going on there if you imagine the movie is that Moses maybe didn't speak that often directly to Pharaoh. I know that if you've seen the movie whichever one, depending on how old you are, you've either seen Prince of Egypt or you've seen Ten Commandments or you've seen both. But there's always Moses speaking directly to Pharaoh. What was probably happening is that Moses appeared as the messenger, but Aaron, his brother, did most of the talking. So what God is saying is, hey, Moses, I have prophets that speak on my behalf. In fact, Moses was one of those. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you somebody to speak on your behalf. God is gracious to work around and overcome our shortcomings. You're not good at speaking. Maybe you're good at writing. You're not good at writing. Maybe you're good at listening. You're not good at listening. Maybe God helps you to get better. There's a lot of different ways to communicate the message of God. The issue isn't how. I don't worry about how. One person communicates through the spoken word. Another person communicates through the written word. Another communicates through direct action. The issue is whether we do what God has called us to do. Verse 2, you are to say everything I command you. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though, I, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as Yahweh commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Verse 5 says, The Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh or that I am the Lord. It is a terrible thing to know God apart from Jesus. All of us, the scripture declares, have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. The justice that we deserve has been taken by Jesus. And anyone who places their faith in Jesus, who he is, what he has done, has had that justice removed from them. But to stand before God without that grace upon my life, without that mercy upon that life, without that forgiveness in my my heart is a terrible thing. I have great and sorrowful compassion for those who know that God is true, for those who know that Jesus is real, and yet they do not bow their knee. The Egyptians, by the end of this story, will know that God is real, that Yahweh is powerful, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is supreme over all. And yet they will not be comforted by that knowledge. It's a common expression to say it's just good to know that God is there. It's just good to know that God is real and that God is on his throne. And that is true if Jesus is the Lord of our lives, if Jesus is the Savior of our souls. It's a terrible and tragic thing to know God apart from Jesus because you will only know the justice of God. You will only know the judgment poured out that we have deserved. But if you know Jesus, then the Exodus story is yours. The story of deliverance from sin and death into life and life more full and abundant and victorious than you can ever imagine. Now, it says that Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And Moses was 80 and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. We don't think of many who are in their early 80s as being as active and as commanding as these two men were. Certainly, some are the exception to the rule. I saw a photo recently of two women. One was wearing boxing gloves and workout gear and had a six-pack. And the other was frail and sitting in a chair, and it didn't look like she'd be able to get up out of that chair without help. And the caption on the photo said both of these women are the same age. So certainly there are some who, because of genetics or because of, of uh, lifestyle or or whatever, have vigor and vitality far beyond their peers. The Bible also claims that early in human history, some people just lived longer. And there's different reasons. Different scholars and those who are scientifically minded have floated different theories about what might have caused this. I can't tell you that I I know with any kind of certainty. The Bible definitely makes a claim that earlier in human history, people lived longer. And then after the flood, there was a decrease. Generations lived a shorter amount of time. And then within generations, there were some who, for whatever reason, were predisposed to live longer than their peers. I would just say it's a consequence of the fall. It's a consequence of sin. We were not meant to die, but now death reigns in this world. I would also say this one of the dividing lines in our culture is not over race or over gender, but it's over age. One of the dividing lines is over age. And in the church, More so than in the secular culture, that dividing line is prevalent. I was in a meeting yesterday with what was described as young leaders in the church. A handful of us were under 40. The majority of people in that meeting were in their mid-40s, and a few of the younger leaders were in their early 50s. No young person actually thinks we're young. It always cracks me up when I hear people talk about that kind of thing. But somebody made the point, why don't we have older leaders here? Aren't we missing out on their wisdom? And I agree with that point. I am thankful for godly and active older women and men in the church. I am so thankful for men and women who are what society says is past their prime, who have lost none of their zeal for serving Jesus. I work hard to network with older people who still want to do the work that God has called them to do because I want to learn from them. I hope that our church is never a church that wants to put the old people out to pasture, that wants to put the old people out on the iceberg. I don't think we are, and I hope that we never become that. That being said, somebody made the point that some of the older leaders who want influence and who want authority are no longer swinging their swords, are no longer actively and vitally engaged in the work. They just want their opinions heard. I don't think anybody should expect to have a voice who doesn't have skin in the game. So I'm thankful for older leaders and servants of Jesus, and I encourage everyone to stay active on the work that God is doing, and for younger people to do the things now so that we can have longevity in our service of Jesus. So they go, verse 8, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded, and Aaron threw his staff down, in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians did the same by their secret arts. Each threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord said. If you are scientifically minded, this would be a part of the Bible that you would reject as myth, right? Hucksters, con artists. I tend to think that the reason that God gave Moses the specific signs that he gave was because these were the tricks These were the tricks that the wise men and the sorcerers were using in Egypt to gain influence. If you are a a Rasputin, a charismatic personality, and you can do a few parlor tricks, you could gain influence in a superstitious culture. And Moses and Aaron do the things that the Pharaoh's sorcerers are doing. But what happens? Moses and Aaron's snake eats their snakes. It's showing dominance. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, my guess is that what Moses and Aaron did was a true miracle And what the Pharaoh's wise men did was a scam. That would be my guess. At the same time, I have no trouble believing that some demonic power had given them an ability beyond what is normal. I've seen enough evidence of the supernatural in my life to know that there is evil at work. And I don't feel primitive or superstitious in saying, that demonic spirits can give power to people, but God is dominant over them. Another faith, another belief system might have power. Christianity does not claim to be the only power in the world. It is possible that another faith, another religion, another belief system has some level of power. But where does that power come from? Where does that power come from? And just because you experience power, spiritual power, supernatural power, it does not mean it's from God. But it does and is true that God's power is supreme over it. So I do not fear, I do not fear anyone's voodoo or magic or curses because Jesus is supreme. You can look to other things for power. Maybe in our day and age, we are not looking for power spiritually from sorcerers and wise men, but we're looking for power from politicians, we're looking for power from movements, from finances. We're looking for power from a a lifestyle, a way of of living that is powerful and and that I feel in control. It'll only let you down if it's anything other than Jesus. The only source of life, sustaining, life-giving power is from Jesus. The power that caused two 80-year-old dudes to stand before the greatest ruler in the world in that day and to triumph is the same power that is available to a 15-year-old girl, to a 25-year-old man, to a 90-year-old woman, to a 100-year-old man. There is no limit to who God can use and what God can do through a person that is submitted to him. Thank you for being with us on today's episode. Every Thursday we launch new episodes of the 20-minute Bible study. We'll be back next week as we continue our study of the book of Exodus and the entire Bible. Follow us at Faith on Hill on social media. Faithonhill.com is our website. You can find audio versions of this podcast at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Video versions are posted on our Facebook, facebook facebook.com backslash faithonhill. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.